Happy Thanksgiving. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I am Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steveovich. And it's Black Friday in episode 201 today, November 27th, 2020. We have several items of discussion today. Gaming news includes Star Wars Squadrons update, Capcom hacked, the WoW Shadowlands being getting launched, Xbox could be coming an app, and movie news spotlights Halo TV, WandaVision, Johnny Depp's replacement on Fantastic Beasts 3, Wonder Woman 1984, and Dead 3, the movie updates. Our topic of the day is the 2020 Game Award nominees, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, you can just keep on listening. Well, Steve, happy day after Thanksgiving. Uh, thank you, Russ. Happy thanks. Uh, happy, happy day after Thanksgiving uh, to you. Um, oh, hap- thank you. Happy Black Friday to you. Did you... Um, did you do anything for Black Friday, Rose? I did not. I actually stayed home. I didn't go anywhere. We were pretty mm. much running the the Thanksgiving Olympics yesterday with both a marvelous breakfast as well as the proper Thanksgiving dinner. So today it was just kind of like lay around and do nothing day. Yeah, I had figured that as much. Um, yeah, we did eating yesterday. And that was about it. Um, <laughs> we kind of just yeah. waited for <laughs> So uh, to give everybody a little uh, rundown. So uh, we were being careful this Thanksgiving because uh, due to one of my colleagues' spouses getting COVID uh, and getting tested and um, they didn't know if she was positive or not. He kept on coming back and forth to the office. We didn't want to get anybody sick, of course. Uh, we didn't want to be hugging and kissing on anybody, hugging and kissing style. And so um, we decided to stay home. Well, um, Russ took it upon himself and his wife uh, when I had asked, hey, so what are you making? What do you want us to make? Russ basically said, we don't want to make, yeah, we don't want you women making anything because what you make is going to possibly have cooties on it and we don't want cooties. And so you don't make anything, we'll make it, and then we will give it to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, we waited for the meal, we got the meal, and we... Zoomified, yeah, <laughs> we zoomified and we ate the meal. Um, uh, we received the meal, we unpacked the meal, <laughs> we ate the meal. It was very stressful for us, let me tell you. <laughs> we got silverware for the meal, we poured our drinks, and we ate. Yeah, th- this Thanksgiving will definitely go down in, in history as one of the most unique ones in the sense that we had a virtual gathering. We ended up using Zoom to create kind of this like conference call with our extended family so that we could each have our own little Thanksgiving spread and then be able to talk to each other still and have that experience. But yeah, even my wife's parents both 
tested positive for coronavirus. They've been battling it for the last two weeks. And my mother-in-law is actually in the hospital as a result. Unfortunately, she has had a fever that has been going on for the past five to six days, maybe even longer. I'm not sure entirely, but it kept creeping up more and more. And I think the last time I checked, she had it up to like 103.5. So it was getting up there uh, pretty, pretty nasty levels. In addition, when she was admitted to the hospital, they found that her left lung had pneumonia. So she did, in fact, have pneumonia already. And she was coughing profusely. Her oxygen levels were in the 80s. So I think they they, uh, admitted her at just the right time because I think it could have gotten really dire in the, the following 24 hours. So anyway, we were able to even have her join us from her hospital bed. It ended up being a lot of fun because we were able to still connect and most uh, folks got to enjoy some some Thanksgiving goodness. So that, that was good. And, and man, every time Thanksgiving food rolls around, I, I always forget how tasty Thanksgiving food really is. And I'll have you know, Steve, I made two pumpkin pies for the first time. And uh, they turned out pretty good, I must say. So I... nice. I have still not had a single piece of my pumpkin pie since I made it. It's still whole in the fridge. What was really funny too, like a funny side note, is so my wife ran the Thanksgiving Olympics where she made all of these amazing dishes for Thanksgiving. We give Steve and Sarah uh, some of the, all the fixings and <laughs> Steve ends up forgetting to bring it all to the dinner table. So like they're eating Thanksgiving food and for some reason, the sweet potato souffle and the green bean casserole is nowhere to be found. And then suddenly Steve had this moment of clarity and realized that he had left those two. Did you leave it by the front door or something? Well, yeah. So what happened is I get home. Wifey makes me at the door and she says, hey, do you need any help? I said, well, hey, I will hand you this stuff. Um, Instead of walking through the house, we, we, my wife doesn't want, my wife cleans the floors like crazy and so if I walk anywhere past the front door, then I get the evil eye and the stink and sometimes even a lecture. And so I said, here, I'll just hand this to you. I got a couple things. I'll hand it to you and you can take it and you know, put it on the counter, put it on the kitchen table, whatever you want to do it. And she goes, okay. And she was running back and forth to stay on the Zoom because what we had found out too was what is if we're not sitting there in front of the Zoom the entire time. It's like, ah, 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 well, where'd they go? Hey, let's just yell their names really loud and they'll come back. Hey, 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 Sarah, where? You're like, oh, okay, well, I had to run take a pee real quick. I didn't want to announce it, but apparently uh, I got to shake it all with family. Quick. It doesn't matter. So anyhow, she didn't want to veer too far from the, from the, the, the phone where we had the, the Zoom on. Right. So, or excuse me, the iPad. So anyhow, so I hand her one thing and um, and I go back to the car and I grab the other thing, uh, which was the tray with the, the green bean casserole and the souffle. And I put that basically on 
this little bench that we have where, you know, when we sit down and put it on our, our shoes and whatnot. And so then I go back outside and I'm pulling in the vehicle. You know, I shut down the hatch first and um, I, I think I waved at the neighbors or something. And so then I just come inside. The lights are off at that point and I take off my shoes and I come to the table and she's like, yeah, we're set, you know, where I put everything out. I'm like, okay, cool. And so we sit down and I hear your wife mentioning some of the, the, the goodies saying, Hey, this is this and that about this and that and other dish and da, da, da. And my wife is responding. And so my mind just registers that she knows about all this stuff. And so when we, she sits down, she's looking at me. She's like, you know what? I would really like some. And she's saying this like under her under her breath. So like, you know, it's not coming up on the microphone, but she's looking at me at the, at the dinner table, just two of us. And she's like, I really like some green bean casserole. That's the, that's the one dish I look forward to every Thanksgiving is that green bean casserole. I'm like, yeah. And? Like, what do you want? Get some, you know, like, why, why are you looking at me? I go, go get Steve's yourself got like a whole mouthful of food. He's like, <laughs> so she's looking at me like, no, they didn't give us any. They didn't make it. I'm like, yeah, they gave us it. They gave us some. Like I brought it in. She's like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yeah, I did. I'm like, dude, it's at the, it's at, I gave it to you. She goes, no, this, this is it. They, they decided not to make any. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they gave us some. So I'm like, well, maybe I was totally wrong. I mean, Russ and I like didn't talk about it. We just like hand, you know, handed me food and I'm like, that was pretty much it. And so, um, and I, and, and she looked at me and I said, okay, well, what are the, what was the stuff you unpacked? And she says, well, you gave me the bag and I took out, you know, this, that, and the other. This was all being like whispered to each other or were, yes. were you like, yes. oh my gosh. That's we, yes. So we didn't, we didn't have this discussion. And meanwhile, everyone's talking about it. Like, oh, we did make it. And Sarah's looking at me like, what is going on? And so I went, wait, she just said the bag. She didn't say like the little cardboard, you know, tray or, or a half yeah. box or whatever that was. Yeah, and so I look at her. I'm like, "You've got to be kidding!" You said you were to bring this all. That- I handed this to you, I, and I told you to take it. She's looking at me like, "Huh?" And so I—that's when I burst out laughing, and I go over to the door. And meanwhile, we've been stuffing food down our esophagus for for you know a good ten to fifteen minutes, and uh, I'm pretty much stuffed at that point. And I I, I walk over and sh- and it's still sitting there on the bench. Still wrapped in foil. <laughs> Hopefully foil. it was still warm. It. it definitely was still warm. <clears throat> but, uh, so she looks at me like, you know, all the little croutons are going to be soggy now. I'm like, it's, it's fine. Just get some. So she, she dishes out a little, a little more of the souffle and the, and the green beans. Meanwhile, then, you know, suffice to say, I, I still end up getting the stink eye. So I'm like, whatever. So anyway, she gets her green bean casserole and everything was happy. That's the first rule of marriage, Steve. Everything is your fault. I guess. I guess. (laughs) I'm just glad that you guys were able to like finish off, you know, properly with all of the dishes properly digested. But the tryptophan this year was no joke. Like after we ate and stuffed ourselves, we were like, uh, we're about done socializing Zoom style. 
and we're on the couch and I'm like starting to get the nods and I, you know, I didn't do anything to cook. I was like, I can't stay awake. I can't stay awake. I can't stay awake. And then you can say, oh, we're going to put our little one to bed now. So we're going to go ahead and sign off. I'm like, thank goodness we're off to. <laughs> and then, so we, we went to sleep and I didn't wake up the entire night. And so, but we had, my, my wife and I had spoken. This is what I'm transitioning into here, Russ. Oh, I was wondering so, where you were going with this, Steve. Right. So we had spoken. So um, wifey and I were going to make uh, do with the Black Friday sales to each buy ourselves a Christmas gift. Instead of waiting to, for Christmas, we were going to buy ourselves just one thing. And so that's what we did uh, today where... We went out. We all we we both wanted a tree. Oh, I gotta tell you, we were gonna buy. That's probably I think that's what we did yesterday. We went out and we were looking for a couple things at Home Depot, and we were looking at some of the fake trees. And we're like, these are hundreds of dollars. Like, there's no freaking way we're gonna welcome to Christmas tree shopping. We looked at each other like, no, there is no way we're spending this money. And so then, then they had a, a little uh, Christmas tree farm that was right outside, like in the parking lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we walked through and we were like, this, this smells amazing. This smells so good. Like, this is what I want. Like, I want, it reminded me of walking through a Christmas tree farm as a kid and smelling all the pine and cutting one down and putting one. I'm like, this is what I want. This smells like Christmas. We have to do this. And she goes, okay, great. Let's go cut one down. But, you know, these are already cut. So that's what we did basically all today is my wife wakes up early and I'm still passed out. And she goes and buys um, what I was saying I was going to go out and buy. She goes, since she was already awake she runs over and picks it up and brings it back as the, the, I'm the Christmas tree. Up. No, the gift I wanted to get myself. So oh, you guys were going to buy uh, yourselves gifts. I, I thought you were going to buy we, each other one gift. We know we so we both know what, he, what each other wants anyway. Like we've been talking about it for pretty much the entire year, um, and we haven't got it so. We we both know what each other want, and so we're just we just figured we'd just go out and just get it, you know, Christmas, you know, early Christmas style. And yeah, so yeah. so um she goes out, she picks mine up, brings it back, and so I'm happy. And then um we go and basically get hers, and then not in this order, we 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 go get the tree and then get hers. But um anyhow, we were we went to a couple different Christmas tree farms, cut one down. It's only it's a my about seven feet tall, and um, so now we have a live but slowly dying <laughs> Christmas tree. I was going to say, like, you, I hope you bought one of those little Christmas tree holder things that you could pour water into. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we definitely did. We that one, so she had already purchased one of those, uh, you know, in previous because we uh, after Home Depot, we're like, yeah, you know, we got to get. If that, we get one of those, we could definitely have to get a stand. We got to get, you know, whatever and whatnot. So, yeah, I was going to say, because you don't, you don't have Christmas tree lights or ornaments, do you? No. No. So, so what's, your, what, what's your plan on that? 
she had she bought like she bought a few like standard stuff from Costco. Not like she didn't go buck wild, but she was Costco had some some you know okay ornaments in the in a, in a box, and so we're gonna put the ornaments up. She got like a star actually this morning at like Walmart or something. So we're gonna put the star up. You know, it's just gonna be something simple. Yeah, Not gonna be crazy. Oh, that's good. Um, it's kind of funny so how like you have to put quite a bit of money into that sort of thing up front, and then you can reuse it year after year. Right. So, anyhow, what she wanted to get, she what she's been talking about all year long was a small fire pit for the outside. She wanted to get a fire pit. And so it's basically, it's very, very small. It's about the size of like, a, I don't know, maybe a chair or something, but lower to the ground. And it, there's a top that you put on it and stuff and whatnot. So she bought that. And then I got a subwoofer for the uh, entertainment system upstairs. <laughs> so uh, how much was that, that, Steve? Baby, up. actually, so it was $200. Oh, man. Marked oh. at fifty percent off, so it, normal price was four hundred, and I got it for two hundred. Well, congratulations on that, good sir. I'm sure it's going to offer a little more of the old boomage. We're going to rumble the windows. You're going to hear us from your house. <laughs> I, I was secretly hoping that you had gotten yourself an Xbox Series X somehow, somewhere. No, no one's got any of those, Russ. Yeah. Uh, I'm finding that out. Well, that's good, Steve. I'm glad you decided to go through the old Christmas escapades today. It's it's an appropriate day, I would say, right after Thanksgiving. And I'm actually wondering if we are going to be busting out any Christmas decorations over this Thanksgiving holiday weekend or if we're going to wait till the weekend after. I have to talk with a significant other on that one and see what's all up. But uh, other than that, what have you been up to this past week, Steve? Well, you know, we um, we played uh, the third Transformers again. We were still on a Transformers kick. We didn't really care for the second one that much, and she doesn't remember a thing about it. So I was like, ah, skip it. And so, uh, <laughs> so we watched actually the third one, The Dark of the Moon, and uh, that was actually funnier than I remember. Yeah, um, <laughs> that to be. I mean, it, it, action wise, we were we were pretty much done. By the end of it, I mean, Michael Bay just went. I remember, but that was my one criticism, major criticism was all of the slowdown. Like, anytime there was an action sequence, they had to slow everything. <laughs> <laughs> and although you have been watching a lot of the transformer movies recently, so it probably starts to kind of stack upon itself after a while. Well. We actually, no, we're not, we haven't watched a ton of them. We just watched the first one all over again, and then we watched the third one recently, so. Oh, I thought um, you said you watched I the second mean, one, we, too. No, 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 we did, we, she doesn't remember a thing about the second one, and I wasn't crazy about the second one, so we we just, we skipped oh, that Oh, so you just skipped that one. Oh, I see. So, um, anyhow, so she, I mean, we had a good time with it, but I mean, we were just kind of done with all those slow down action effects and everything, and by the end of it, we were like, okay, we, let's move on anyhow so that was that and you know what else i started playing though russ is after we were twitching i did actually get uh resident evil 3 for 
the low, low price of $19.99. Excellent. And so uh, that reminded me why I don't play those games at night when I'm trying to wind <laughs> down, go to sleep. Well, you, have, fear you have the nemesis just chasing after you constantly. That, that's a great way to unwind after a day. For my life. Exactly. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, I died. I was eaten. I am going to stop and play something else, in which case I played Soul Calibur Six, And that was wonderful. Another so making, very calm game to play before you go to bed. Well, way more calm than Resident Evil. I will say <laughs> that's that. true. I'm glad <laughs> that you're playing so. more Soul Calibur. Uh, you know, I, I felt like like you were never going to actually pick it up and play it, and it was just unfortunate because I w- have been really enjoying it. And I know that you are a Soul Calibur fan, so it's great to hear that you are repeatedly putting that in and playing it. I sure hope they change their mind. I, I I was playing it last night and I thought, man, this is the last one. But I I'm I'm gonna expect and hope and wish that we'll be watching a a, a game, um, maybe even like with the game awards. Ah! <laughs> but I'm I'm waiting for them to like the lights are gonna go out and then we're going okay. There's gonna be a trailer and all of a sudden they're just gonna play like the next Cello Caliber trailer and the audience is gonna go nuts and I'm gonna go nuts at home. I tell you, if Soul Calibur 6 ends up being the final Soul Calibur game that they make, I mean, they really did go out with like a pretty close to perfection version of Soul Calibur. Obviously, there are certain things that I wish were a little bit different, but in terms of the actual arcade battles that you have and the uh, the way the characters look, even the character selection, and I, I just think it's fantastic. But honestly, they're, they're going to make more. I would be shocked if they decide this is going to be the last Soul Calibur they make. I, especially considering I think this title has done pretty well sales-wise. So I'm pretty confident that at some point we will see a Soul Calibur 7. But I, for now, anyway, what's really fun is if you have a 4K TV, and especially when you get the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, either one, uh, there should be a bump in graphics fidelity for that title. So that's pretty cool. At least faster loading times, which that always helps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anything else for you, Steve? No, I think that's about to do it, Russ. What about you? What have you been playing? What have you been watching? Well, I'm here to tell you that I have continued watching The Mandalorian Season 2. It's been fun so far. I've watched four episodes now. I think they may have dropped another one to today yeah actually i think i have another one waiting for me in the uh the wings the the disney plus wings uh but it's been a lot of fun it is totally going down that spaghetti western path and it's enjoyable i must say i do wish that there are certain things that that are different little nitpicky things but overall it is a a, a entertaining show you know it's not one of those shows where i'm like oh man this is epic but it definitely has a certain unique quality to it where I can enjoy myself jumping into a different part of the star Wars world. So I think that's pretty cool. The uh, Xbox series X that I have ordered is still stuck on pending. I thought I would let you know about that, Steve. Not exactly sure uh, 
if I'm going to be receiving that anytime soon or not, apparently. I, th- I think I mentioned this before. I'll just say it again. The date of arrival for this is supposed to be December 23rd. So we'll see if that actually happens or not, which is a bit of a bummer just because Cyberpunk 2077 is supposed to be released on December 10th. And not so much do I want to wait 13 days until I can actually play that bad boy. You know what I'm saying? And I I don't want to be able to start playing it on my Xbox One. I want the Xbox Series X experience. Ideally, I'd love to have the Xbox Series X with a 4K TV experience. But that just is not in the cards right now because I'm broke. So it just goes uh, without saying. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying, Steve? I have also been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake some more. I think I'm getting to the end of it, honestly. I think what you said last time. Well, okay, so I, I made it past, and this is probably different from like the original Final Fantasy VII, but like I, I vanquished a certain type of creature that I had come across uh, before. Uh, so it's like, okay, this creature is done for, for real this time. And, and I checked with uh, our good old friend Brad, And he thinks that I'm actually getting pretty close to the end itself. So I'm trying to tidy up some of the other little side quests that I have not really paid much attention to. And I've been pretty good with that throughout the entire game, but I have a feeling there's probably one kind of like big battle that still remains before I get to the end of of this particular portion of Final Fantasy VII. And I gotta say... The game itself is consistently beautiful. It's it's a gorgeous looking game. But one of the things that I discovered as I'm playing this, at least for for this portion of the overall game, we'll have to see how how it is in in the the next part. And I don't know if they're going to have like two or three more parts. Who knows? But they ended up designing this one where you're actually revisiting a lot of the same environments over and over and over again. And I don't know if that was necessarily the case in the original Final Fantasy VII when you are in Midgard. Did you find yourself kind of revisiting some of the same areas uh, to like talk to people or to do side quests or whatever? Do you do you recall any of that? Uh, oh, man, it's been a minute. Um, <laughs> you got to reach back to what about like 15 years ago? Um, at n- longer than that, Russ. Longer. Oh, actually, than it's that. more like 25 um, years ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, let's see. I'm playing the game. I'm in my room and ignoring everybody else. What's happening? Come on, haven't bathed in days. <laughs> I'm gonna, I got a I got a centimeter thick oil on my skin. Full uh, head of hair. <laughs> oh man, growing I miss peach those days. buzz on my face. Yeah, um, breaking uh, out in back knee. <laughs> this has absolutely nothing to do with Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, I don't even. Well, know. hey, I, I won't mean, hold yeah. your your feet to the fire on that one. But in this instance, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the first Halo, where like you're you you are kind of going back and forth through some of the same environments. 
And in this instance, it, you know, it's different in, from Halo. Like Halo is a first person shooter. So because it's, it's a bit more actiony, I could forgive it more. But Final Fantasy VII is more RPG. So, well, it's not more. It just is. It is an RPG. So that was one of the things that I was, I, I'm, I'm, I've got a little bit of a gripe on. Uh, you know, I, I just think, okay, this is kind of a, a, dare I say, lazy way out when it comes to, to gameplay and game design and stuff where they, they basically took, and especially because this is not the entire Final Fantasy VII game, they basically looked at it and said, okay, we have about 10 hours of gameplay here. How can we extend this out? Oh, I know. Let's go back and forth through these areas and, and make them do these certain things. And then that way we'll technically have about 40 hours of gameplay with part one of Final Fantasy VII. That's basically what it is. And luckily, the environments look awesome. I mean, they, the whole area just looks great and stuff. But it is a little bit of, of a letdown when you get to this part of the game and you realize, wait, wait a minute, I've already gone through here. Why are we going back through this area? And You know, just minor, minor complaint there. But overall, it is a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah. We'll just have to see how, how it shakes out. I might be able to get through the whole thing maybe by the end of this weekend, so we'll have to see. Uh, finally, I have been playing more Legends of Runeterra. Not sure if you have, Steve. Still haven't seen it online. <laughs> A little <You> bit. <laughs> um, but one of the things I thought I would let you know about in case you were unaware is they have actually added additional new cards to the various regions that already exist. So like... Um, Bilgewater, for example, has several new cards and I ended up unlocking them and I was testing them out actually today to just to see what kind of different strategies you can use with them. So I thought I'd pass that over to you so that the next time you, you, you pop it up and uh, you start playing it, I would suggest looking at all the different regions because like I said, they've um, increased uh, the number of cards for each one of the regions. So I thought that would... Strike your fancy a little bit. Well, let's get into some gaming news, starting things off with Star Wars Squadrons to add fan-requested B-Wing and TIE Defender, as well as a new map in the holiday update. This has me actually particularly excited because I wanted a B-Wing. And it wasn't in the game, Steve, so happy about this. EA Motive's latest blog post details two new updates in the pipeline for Star Wars Squadrons following its release last month. The first update will go live on November 25th, which was, as of uh, this recording, two days ago, so it should be live. And we'll see four new Starfighter components added to the game and a new map added to the rotation. The new map, Foster Haven will be familiar to those who have played through the game's story as it's the first place you visit in the game. I have a quote here. It says, A fan favorite location from the single player story and one we've seen requested for multiplayer is Foster Haven from the game's first prologue mission. Uh, the blog post continues on. In this update, the map will be added to fleet battles and the dogfight mode, end quote. Motive says that this map has been updated from its story mode counterpart to provide a new experience that will fit well with 
the other six maps in the game's multiplayer modes. I actually have not tried out well, multiplayer yet just because I've been playing it on PC, which I mean, I suppose I could still try out multiplayer on PC. But honestly, I was hoping to try it out on like, uh, I don't know, PS5 or Xbox Series X or something and uh, see how that all looks and whatnot. Let's see though. The next update for the game goes live in December and it will that's when it will bring with it two new Starfighters, the B-Wing and the TIE Defender, both of which have been heavily requested by fans. The B-Wing will be categorized as a bomber while the TIE Defender will be categorized as a fighter. What makes these two ships special other than their unique designs is the B-Wing's gyro cockpit and swiveling wings and the TIE Defender's shields, which are not present in the Galactic Empire's other fighter ships. So I give a very rousing two thumbs up to those additions. I look forward to being able to check those out. Especially doing the whole virtual mode when you're looking around the cockpit. I, you know, when it comes to the B-Wing in particular, I look forward to just looking around and seeing how everything is uh, represented. Did you, you never finished that game, did you? No, Russ, I don't think I've finished a game at all this year, save for Full Throttle. <laughs> that is pathetic. <laughs> for shame. Uh, massive Capcom leaks reveal Dragon's Dogma 2, Street Fighter 6, and potentially more. Earlier uh, this week, Capcom confirmed it was the victim of a customized ransomware attack that led to unauthorized access to its network. Capcom says corporate employee and customer information may have been compromised by the attack. Subsequently, materials from those leaks have been released onto the internet. While unable to verify them all, sources close to Capcom have told IGN that many are genuine. As more information from the leaked data packages continue to trickle out, Capcom's alleged game development plans for the next four years appear to have made their way online. The schedule includes a mix of sequels and remakes, while others are only listed under their code names. So the list that they, that they have here for their purported schedule, first they have Resident Evil Outrage, which is uh, Q4 of 2021. There's Dragon's Dogma 2, that is quarter two of 2022. Street Fighter 6, quarter three of 2022. Rockman, which um, actually is Mega Man in North America. Uh, looks like that is quarter three of 2022. Resident Evil 4 Remake uh, is Q4 2022. They have a lot. Like, if this is actually legit, they have a lot of heavy hitters coming in 2022. Monster Hunter 6 is Q2 of uh, 2023. Biohazard Apocalypse is Q3 of 2023. Uh, there's another, it says SSF 6, which is probably Super Street Fighter 6. Q4 2023. Final Fight. Oh, Final Fight Remake. Nice. Q2 of 2024. Power Stone Remake is Q3 of 2024. I'm very excited. I'm a big Power Stone fan. Uh, Ultra Street Fighter 6, Q4 of 2024. And finally, Resident Evil Hank, uh, which is likely more it's supposed to be Hunk. Uh, Q4 of 2024. So, 
the sources confirmed to IGN that some of the games included in the list are legitimate, including Dragon's Dogma 2 and Street Fighter 6, but could potentially be out of date. Many other games revealed in the leak are listed under code names. There is a, a part two to this, this whole story, but first of all, what do you think of that list if it is in fact true? Sounds like a lot of Resident Evils. Sounds like zombies are making a comeback, Russ. Well, I, I think it's awesome that, that first of all, we have Street Fighter Six coming out because they, they're currently on Street Fighter Five, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. And Mega Man so making... Oh, yeah, Street Fighter, exactly. Uh, Mega Man for next gen sounds awesome, as well as Power Stone. Like, I always hope that they would make a return to Power Stone, so I'm glad to see that. Um, yeah, lots and lots of Resident Evils. That's that's really cool. So the, the part two of the story is that former Capcom employees have feared for their private data after this massive hack on the company. So, you know, once again, this massive ransomware attack on Capcom has leaked numerous high-profile games in development, uh, but former employees are frustrated with how Capcom is handling its response to their personal information, which Capcom confirmed was compromised as part of the leak. A source close to Capcom who wishes to remain anonymous has shared with IGN that there is a worrying lack of of communication between Capcom and former employees who want to find out more about how vulnerable they are following the ransomware attack on Capcom that briefly took the company's data hostage. In a press release from earlier this week, Capcom confirmed that among the information compromised by hackers, quote, personal information of former employees, including names, signatures, passport information, and HR information was accessed. So my heart goes out to the employees of Capcom because you don't, (laughs) no one's private information like that should be vulnerable. No one should be able to steal that type of information because that's identity theft, basically. And in a perfect world, people would be able to just focus on their jobs, making great games and everything else. But unfortunately, you have some... Uh, pretty insidious folks out there who want to just kind of poop on everybody else's parade. And so we'll Don't have to see how this all parade. works out. <laughs> Don't poop on my parade. Don't crap on it either. It's amazing how similar those are. <laughs> World of Warcraft Shadowlands. So this is one that... If you haven't seen it already, I encourage you to go online and check it out. We were going to actually play this and have reactions to it live, but since Steve is having to quarantine in his house due to his colleague's wife testing positive for coronavirus, we are not going to do that. However, the uh, the trailer itself, though, is really cool. It, I mean, it's exactly what you'd expect from Blizzard. High production values. Really great sweeping vistas and stuff. So when you get a chance, go on YouTube, type in World of Warcraft Shadowlands. I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. Now, the final gaming story that I have here is, and this is one that really surprised me. It it, it does remind me a little bit of a conversation that you and I had, Steve. The header says that Xbox could be an app on your TV within a year, says Phil Spencer. In an interview with The Verge, Um, Spencer was asked about 
what was stopping Microsoft from releasing Xbox as an app for smart TVs that meet a minimum hardware specification? The answer, it seems, is nothing. There's a quote here. Um, it says, I think you're going to see that in the next 12 months, I don't think anything is going to stop us from doing that. That's directly from Phil Spencer. Spencer doesn't go into any specifics on the, the mooted app, but we've previously heard that the Xbox exec discussed the idea of Xbox streaming sticks. And that could be used for streaming games through their xCloud after being plugged into the TV. So it's, it's reminding me a lot of Stadia. These could even be made part of the Xbox Game Pass subscription cost. It's not clear if Microsoft is considering which approach to take or if it will take both, allowing those with higher powered TVs simply to download the app and those without to use a plug-in solution. Spencer reiterated that he doesn't see streaming as the end of Microsoft's dedicated consoles, however, saying, quote, I don't think these will be the last big pieces of hardware that we ship, end quote. So Steve, I want to know what, what is your reaction to that story? You know, I think folks who are way more high-tech than I am would appreciate it. I'm old school, Russ. I just want to turn on my console, flip the input over to the to the Xbox, and play my Xbox, Russ. I don't need to, like, switch an input on TV and, like, stream this and stream that. I mean, I think it's awesome. I think people are going to love it. I, for one, am used to and enjoy how it's always been. What say I you? I am of the same opinion. I think that there is something exclusive about having a tangible physical piece of hardware in your area of gaming. In that, it acts as a tent pole. It's it's a flagship to the platform that you decide you you enjoy playing your games on. And I really do. I I, I don't know if that's necessarily dating me or or if it's an old school type of approach but the idea especially when we have next gen consoles come in and you're setting it up and, and you're seeing the design of the system you're you're checking out the brand new controller you're, you're you're able to have this physical piece of hardware that represents what it is that you love to do i think is really cool i do think it's a little odd to think about how that could one day just become completely virtual where it becomes like an online subscription and we've talked about that as a, a previous topic of the day about physical copies versus digital downloads and there are pluses and minuses to both but it is interesting to me how open and transparent he was with that considering the fact that the Xbox Series X has just barely launched and been made available and for him to say that i think there's more detail that is needed in terms of like okay well what are the specifications in order to play a game that will look and perform the same way through x cloud as it does with the xbox series x i think that remains to be seen i don't know if it's going to be a watered down diet coke version of the game or if it's going to be something else entirely but yeah, it's weird. I, for now, I, I still really do enjoy having those those consoles uh, make a presence. But at the same time, you know, when you think about like your your Blu-ray collection or your your uh, 4K DVD collection, 
that kind of um, platform as well, it seems to be going the way of the dinosaur now just because most of what you want to watch can be available uh, via digital download. So who knows? We'll have to see how this all plays out. Pivoting over to movie news, Halo TV series recasts Cortana with original voice actress. IGN can exclusively reveal that Showtime's Halo TV series has recast its Cortana actress bringing in Jen Taylor for the role. And you'll know Steve Taylor from her role as Cortana in all the mainline Halo games. Cortana the AI that assists and occasionally turns on Master Chief throughout the game series was originally due to be played on TV by uh, Natasha McElhone who was cast in a dual role, also playing Cortana's creator, Dr. Catherine uh, Hales. Was it Hazy? Sure, Halsey? that sounds about right, bro. Halsey, something like that. I wanted to say like Haley, but I don't know if it's not right. It's Haley, Catherine Halsey. Due to scheduling difficulties caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, the original actress Pix can no longer complete her work as Cortana, but will continue in the role of Halsey. The Showtime series is being made in production with game developers 343 Industries and Steven Spielberg's Emblem Entertainment. Peaky Blinders and Black Mirror director Otto Bathurst is due to direct and ex- an executive produce the nine-episode first season. Does that make you excited at all, Steve? Yeah, I would say so, right? Do you have Showtime, Steve? I do not have Showtime, but I could probably still watch it indirectly through Amazon Prime. Really? I'll have to look at that. I was not aware. Now, the next story here is Marvel's WandaVision. So... This is a show that I've been looking forward to for some time. It's going to be on Disney Plus. And uh, this particular article has new images and plot details revealed. So going down the story, Marvel's WandaVision aims to take the Marvel movie template and turn it into a six consecutive hour long sitcom episode. So basically every episode is one hour long and there are six episodes. I think that's my understanding of it. A new report from, from Entertainment Weekly explains that the show will cycle through homages to multiple eras of classic TV, beginning with a full black and white episode filmed in front of a studio audience, which I thought was pretty snazzy after reading about that. Set after Avengers Endgame, Scarlet Witch and Vision are living as a married couple in the suburban town of Westview, trying to hide their powers, but before long, their perfect world begins unraveling for reasons still unknown. Now, the head writer explains that, quote, the show is a love letter to the golden age of television. We are paying tribute and honoring all of those uh, incredible shows and people who came before us, but we're also trying to blaze new territory, end quote. Um, They even went so far as to ask uh, sitcom legend Dick Van Dyke for advice on how to make the show authentic, which I thought was also like a nice little chestnut of information there. I thought, well, I... (laughs) He probably would have like quite a few different little tips and stuff to, you know, be able to bestow upon them. 
The uh, the show will also feature the character development and action expected of MCU stories. Um, there's a quote here from um, one of the folks involved with the show saying, he said, I was like, oh, I thought we were doing a little show, but no, it's six Marvel movies packed into what they're presenting as a sitcom. In a video interview, uh, Paul Bettany sums up the show by saying that it's an elegantly put together puzzle piece, adding that as bonkers as it looks, everything um, makes... What did they say? Everything looks... Basically something along the lines of everything will make sense. It's a really strong piece of writing. We know that this show will lead directly into the events of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, so it appears that the mystery of... The heart of the show will become a key part of the wider MCU story in its new phase. And you still don't have Disney Plus, do you, Steve? No. Which means you're going to have to come over and hang out with me. Yes. Gotta make some time for that. <laughs> Provided you don't have anybody else come down with COVID-19. <laughs> I'm here to watch WandaVision. You gotta let me in. We talked about this. Go away. Get out of here. I'm raising the drawbridge. Yeah, can you? Yeah, really. Can you angle the mirror from your TV to the window, and then like maybe pipe through a speaker wirelessly so I can hear it at least? You're like yelling, Rapunzel. It's like R Russell, R Russell. Let down your hair. Let me in. Fantastic Beasts 3. Mads Mikkelsen in talks to replace Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. Uh, according to a report by Deadline, Mikkelsen is apparently um, director David Yates's top choice to replace Johnny Depp, who was let go from the project recently due to ongoing abuse allegations. Uh, I think that had to do with his uh, divorce uh, situation. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Johnny Depp filmed just one scene for Fantastic Beasts 3 before Warner Brothers asked him to resign. But due to his contract, now listen to this, Steve, which is a pay or play deal, Depp will still make his full eight figure salary on the movie despite his single scene's worth of work. How would you like to have that contract where you work, eh? Hi, that guy's manager. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> As the Hollywood Reporter explains, a pay-or-play contract requires that he be fully compensated whether or not the film is made and even if it is recast. As is common with stars of his level, there was no morality clause in his contract, even though it was amended with each new installment. Technically, Depp was not fired by Warner Brothers, but asked to resign. It is unclear <clears throat> what recourse it would have had if the star refused. The announcement came from Depp himself, uh, of course, if you recall, Steve, in a personal letter on Instagram where he said, quote, I have been asked to resign by Warner Brothers from my role as Grindelwald in Fantastic Beasts, and I have respected and agreed to that request. So talk about an easy gig for the Depster, Steve. <laughs> Eight-figure salary That's for doing one scene. What I 
I just want to make I'm an eight-figure salary. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I have no idea up. what that's like. I have no idea what a seven-figure salary good. is. <laughs> and then I'm going to go home and make a bunch of cash. <laughs> going to be able to hoard that cash. Going to need it after this divorce settlement. Wonder Woman 1984 releasing in theaters and HBO Max on Christmas Day. The news first broke via a linked, a leaked, a leaked. How about that? Try that on for size, Russ. The new first <laughs> news first broke via a leaked trailer for the Wonder Woman sequel and how uh, Wonder Brothers has confirmed the news. Uh, according to their press release, Wonder Woman 1984 will be available to stream on HBO Max for one month starting December 25th and presumably will return to HBO Max later in 2021 after the home video release window. Warner Brothers also confirmed the movie will be released in select international theater markets uh, beginning on December 16th. Director Patty Jenkins has also confirmed the news on Twitter. Quote, at some point, you have to choose to share any love and joy you have to give over everything else. We love our movie as we love our fans, so we truly hope that our film brings a little bit of joy and reprieve to all of you this holiday season. End quote. This makes Wonder Woman 1984 one of a handful of major 2020 blockbusters to be released digitally rather than be pushed to 2021. Unlike Disney's Mulan, which was added to Disney Plus as a premier access title for an additional fee, Wonder Woman 1984 will be available to all HBO Max subscribers at no additional cost. How about them, Apple, Steve? Nice. That's, that's awesome. Do you have HBO Max, Steve? I do not. Well, you're in luck, Steve, because I do. So uh, once again, you can come over to Mikasa uh, and be able to watch Wonder Woman 1984. Maybe even on Christmas Day. We'll see how that uh, works out, Steve. Deadpool 3. The final story here that I have on my movie docket of news is that they are moving forward at Disney with new writers. Many had wondered if the R-rated film would be too much for the family-friendly franchise. However, the franchise seems to be prevailing as Disney and Marvel Studios are moving forward with Deadpool 3 and Ryan Reynolds is returning to produce and star. Deadlines, Justin Kroll, who broke the news, took to Twitter to clear some things up about the Deadpool franchise, noting that the third installment is still going to be R-rated, which I think is a very good idea. Would you, wouldn't you say, Steve? Of course, Russ. A third option was always expected after the second movie. Well, we didn't want that. We didn't want the third film to be like PG or PG thirteen. That would just that would not be appropriate for Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. No, no G rated Deadpool's, please. There have been concerns uh, that Marvel would want to tone Deadpool down in order to work him into the MCU. Fortunately, these, or excuse me, those two things are not mutually exclusive, and his foul mouth will continue in the third movie. Batting the, away the Kool-Aid. Exactly. While the tone is set to remain, the change in writers does represent a first for the record-breaking franchise. Both Deadpool movies were written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. So this third installment 
will be the first without them attached. Hopefully it'll continue to do well. I, I've heard that the, the, the new replacement writers uh, used to work for, for the TV show Bob's Burgers. So we'll have to see how that all plan, that all pans out there. And that is your movie news, Steve. Well, who's ready for seconds? It must be the topic of the day. of the day is the 2020 Game Award nominees. Jeff Keeley has announced the nominees for the Game Awards 2020. The nominees in each category are now available for public voting and winners will be awarded as part of the Game Awards 2020, which will be live streamed on December 10th. I have a list of all the nominees and I thought it'd be fun just to go through most of them. We don't have to go through all the categories, but just the main ones and be able to talk about what they have selected. Now, what I think is interesting is their selection may not necessarily reflect what our selections will be because at the, as 2020 draws to a close, uh, Joygasm will have its own best of ceremony, if you will, with regards to the games that Steve and I have played. But for now, we're going to focus on the actual official Game Awards of 2020. So to kick things off, Game of the Year, the nominees are Animal Crossing New Horizons, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part Two. This is going to be a bit of a challenge for you, Steve, because you've basically only played one of those titles. <laughs> Excuse me, I've played a little bit of Final Fantasy. Thank you very much. You played like a minute. You didn't play hardly any. 15 minutes. Uh-huh. Sure. But when it comes... Okay, so... so <laughs> out of the quasi-two titles you've played... Uh, which so which title do you think will win? Not not necessarily like which one you want to win, but which title do you think will clinch the game of the year at the award ceremony? Ghost of Tsushima. Russ. Ghost of Tsushima. That that's what you said, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I I, I humbly believe that Ghost of Tsushima will walk away, making it rain, dollar bills style. And we'll take home not just this award, but quite a few awards, Russ. I was looking at, you know, I I, I I was looking at a few of the other titles. And granted, I have not played them, so my opinion counts for about 50 cents. But, um, I mean, so people seem to like Last of Us Part 2, and then there was other people who didn't like Last of Us Part 2, and both kind of felt like the game was a bit controversial, but I don't really know like if that was, if that's going to be Game of the Year or not, because I mean, if you have a bunch of people who are kind of like off the wall about it, they might not be signing into it. 
Um, but I think it probably also comes down to, you know, like if, if more people played Last of Us Part 2 than Ghost of Tsushima and they haven't played Ghost of Tsushima, like take my position and then reverse it, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, they might uh, they might vote for Last of Us instead of Ghost of Tsushima. But that being said, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big, you know, third person or excuse me, first person shooter person. So I, you know, I never even played Doom Eternal. I was actually kind of surprised it made um, Game of the Year or, uh, you know, nominated for Game of the Year. Um, and Which one? Doom Eternal. So I have not played that game, but I have talked to a friend who has, and they have lots of good things to say about it. So, um, I, yeah, I can't comment one way or the other. And um, so Animal Crossing, I was like, um, yeah, okay. Uh, wow, that's, uh, you know, going to make people happy during COVID, I guess. Uh, so there you go. I uh, Okay, cool. And then uh, Hades, I saw some, I mean, at least I saw some gameplay of that one. They say, like, the story is good and the acting is good and the music is good and stuff, but it's kind of like this isometrical kind of style game. And, okay, I mean, I kind of, uh, okay, you know, I thought, well, I haven't played it, so whatever, but uh, usually there's a few categories that has to, you know, be, you know, rank pretty high. And then with Final Fantasy, I mean, yes, I I did, you know, I, so I basically just played the demo. But after the demo, I wasn't all hot and bothered to go out and get it. Like I wasn't losing the sleep. I was like, yeah, you know, I'll get it when I when I get it. But I mean, um, it's you know, it's cool. That I'm just not in that big of a, of a hurry. But from the moment I saw Ghost of Tsushima being uh, showed off at the the E3. And I, I thought that's going to be huge. That game is going to be ginormous. And sure enough, I bought it. And yeah, it's not perfect. But I mean, I have loved the game uh, from start all the way till where I am right now. Uh, What's oh, interesting is that this whole setup, though, at least my understanding of it, is that it's, it's really heavily dependent upon the votes that they receive from gamers all over the place who want to cast their vote for the various nominees. And I'm not really sure if it's based 100% on that, or if they have some sort of system where like say 50% of the weight is by a certain panel of judges. And then the remaining 50% is the, the gamers who are voting in. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but I think it's interesting because Animal Crossing is a game that has been tremendously popular, but I understand that not everybody owns a Nintendo Switch. So I feel like I I think Animal Crossing, I'm going to peg Animal Crossing as the upset. Like, like if there was an upset for this, it would be Animal Crossing. But yeah, I, th- I have a feeling that Ghost of Tsushima may be the fan favorite. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult to know precisely, but I think that you bring up a good point. I think the last of us part two, when it came out, you had certain folks who really loved the game, but then you had other folks who really didn't find it as good as the first title. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see how that ultimately plays out. My gut tells me that I don't think the last of us part two will uh, win game of the year. I think it's going to be probably 
honestly, I think it's going to be between Ghost of Tsushima and Animal Crossing. That, that's kind of where I'm at. I think Final Fantasy VII Remake will get a certain number of the votes, but I don't think it will ultimately win. It may win for some of the other categories. Moving on from Game of the Year to Best Game Direction. So Game Direction is different from Art Direction. I'm assuming that the, as the game direction stands, it's probably like best game design almost in a way. Um, or maybe maybe it's more creative overarching direction. But a lot of the same titles are in this. You have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades. They did add in Half-Life uh, Alyx, but then they also have The Last of Us Part Two. Which one I of those do you think Alex. is going to win? Alex? I think it's Alex. Russ. I, think okay. it's just, I think it's just spelled like, super, you know, modern style. <laughs> super fancy. <laughs> that's, uh, that's going to be a good one, Russ. Um, cause I mean, I, I would, I would, I mean, from what I've seen of Hades, I mean, there's, I would probably have to say no to that one, but what I've seen with, with all the others, I mean, those are some pretty strong candidates. Yeah. Russ. That one I had no idea. Like when I looked at it, I was like, man, game direction. I don't know. Cause they all have some pretty strong aspects to them. So it's it to me, this particular category is a bit of a toss up. Now the next one is best narrative. And one of the, the, the first title they have listed here, I never heard of. It's called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Have you heard of this game? No, I haven't. Well, in, in addition to that, there's Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part Two. I think that this is going to be between Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two. What do you think, Steve? Mm. Yeah, Rust. Uh, it. I. Well, of course, it definitely could be Ghost of Tsushima because I'm just going to say that one could be quite possible for pretty much anything but the 13 sentinels mm, who knows i mean that's uh that's a wild card there well could, have you heard of it or not well i ha it doesn't matter if i really heard of it or not i mean they 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 definitely have other people have uh and so it, it definitely must pack some sort of punch hmm. we'll have to see how that plays out there steve now, okay, best art direction. We have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Ori, and the Will of the Wisps, and The Last of Us Part Two. This one is also like a big toss-up because Final Fantasy VII Remake, we can all agree. I think that they were extremely successful in revamping and remastering uh, a classic game from the 90s. And it, just, it looks amazing. They used the Unreal Engine... Um, super, super cool. The next title is Ghost of Tsushima. Again, wonderful art direction in this game. But there's just plenty to really feast your eyes on, especially the color palettes. I mean, that, that was something that like no one had seen before. Hades, I haven't seen, so I can't really comment on that. Have you seen any footage? Yeah, I was telling you, I have. I mean, it's... I just really don't see it. I was actually quite surprised. I, you said it was I like mean, isometric view, but like, are the yeah. graphics really good or what? 
Uh, I would not say so. Um, I, I, that's that, that's that, I keep going back to it, thinking that um, what am I missing here? Um, because I, I I really don't see where the accolades are, are coming from. I, I, it looks really plain. It looks really plain. So yeah. I don't I don't know. Now, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I think that that one could be classified um, classified, excuse me, as the the upset, just because the art direction is tremendously well done in that title. But I think what's going against it is how it, you know it's it's a two D side scroller type of game, as opposed to these others which are. 3d and they're much more sophisticated and that sort of thing. So, um, I would peg Ori as the upset. If there was an upset, it would be Ori for this category. They also have the last of us part two. And that title is also a very beautiful game. So yeah, it's difficult to know what they're going to choose out of that. I don't really have a clear and present winner when it comes to that. Now, best score and music so you have Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and The Last of Us Part Two. I think Ori and the Will of the Wisps is going to get it. I would say Ori would, too. I'm so actually surprised that uh, the Ghost of Tsushima is not in this one because I think the music is gorgeous. That's very true. Actually. Yeah, no, you bring up a good point. Ghost of Tsushima's music is gorgeous. It is a kind of surprising how they, they left him out of this. This you know, <laughs> when I look at Doom Eternal as part of the best score, it's like I've played enough Doom games where like I I've never really like him taken by like oh <laughs> the horror soundtrack sounds uh, uh, surprisingly different from the last Doom game I've played. <laughs> Not to like discount what the uh, the composer did, but it's it's just kind of surprising to see it listed under best score in music. Now, this does make sense. In terms of best audio design, Doom Eternal is listed. I, and for that, I can totally get behind and be like, yeah, sure. I could see how that could be nominated for best audio design. You also have uh, Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima is in best audio design, as well as Resident Evil 3 and The Last of Us Part 2. Have So you, you've played a little bit of Resident Evil 3. How long would you say, like an hour? Yeah, I would, yeah. What would you uh, think? Because you you play your games pretty loud. What do you think of the the audio (laughs) design in in RE3? I I think it's fine, but I don't think that it's anything like noteworthy, honestly. I mean, it's there. I mean, you have the the guns and um, they sound fine, but that they don't uh, they don't they don't have an impact to them. I wouldn't say. I mean, you have rainfall and you have you know, stuff that crunches and metal that bends and stuff, but it doesn't sound to me. It's, it's not noteworthy. Um, I, I think they did a decent job. I don't think it's going to win the award though. Right. Yeah. That one is a little bit of a trickery. Um, I would peg doom eternal as the upset. I think it's going to be between, Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two, because I'm I'm betting that Last of Us Part Two probably has some really good audio design. I would uh, say, I would say maybe Half Life would be the the upset because the 
when I was playing Half-Life, even on the earlier systems, like this, the sound was, was pretty darn good. Um, granted, I have not played this one, but I would venture to assume that they held the standard. Okay. Uh, I'm skimming down to best mobile game. This one oh. has me very curious because uh, they have several strong competitors here. There's Among Us, which I've heard about. I haven't played it yet. Call of Duty Mobile, which I have played, and I am impressed at what they were able to achieve with that game because you really can actually have, um, albeit a, a more of a basic experience, but it is still most definitely Call of Duty. You have Genshin Impact, which, uh, and again, this is a, a title that I've heard a lot of really good things about. I'm planning on picking it up and trying it out. You have Legends of Runeterra and Pokemon Cafe Mix. I think it's going to be between Legends of Runeterra, Genshin Impact, and Call of Duty Mobile. That, that's what I'm thinking. It's going to be one of those three. Honestly, yeah. I, I, mm, what were you going to say? A friend of mine was showing me Among Us, and uh, I really didn't think it was that appealing. So, okay, yeah, I would say I, I'm gonna. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Legends of Runeterra, but at the same time, I mean the game is so well done. I'm going to guess that the voters will agree with me on that. I think Legends of Runeterra will win Best Mobile Game. If not, I think probably the next one in line will be Genshin Impact. So we'll have to we'll we'll have to see if if I am correct or not. I'll have to look that one up. Best action oh, game. Uh, let's see. Doom Eternal is back in. So is Hades, Half Life, Alex, Neo Two, and Streets of Rage Four are contenders Ooh. in that. It's tough because I haven't played Half-Life Alex or Hades. I uh, really, I mean, I played the demo of Doom Eternal, but I mean, that's not the full game. So it's difficult for me to make, to kind of place my finger on that. Um, well, and actually now that I'm thinking about it, I have not even played Neo 2 either. I have the first Neo. I have not played Neo 2, but that looked like a fantastic game. Man, that, that's pretty much a shot in the dark because I've only played Streets of Rage 4 out of, out of that list. And that was a really fun game, but it wasn't a game that like I felt was epic. I felt like that was more of like a nostalgic return to a classic brawler, but there wasn't like a, a huge replayability to it. Not to say, I mean, Neo 2 would probably be like that as well as Half-Life Alex. Doom Eternal probably has more replayability to it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mm, having known and played nothing of Neo Two, um, Streets of Rage was definitely freaking awesome. Uh, Half Life Alex did get good reviews. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that one's gonna go to Doom Eternal. That might that one might go to Doom Eternal. That's kind of my feeling on it. I think Doom Doom Eternal is gonna win Best Action Game. Are you recording? We have to go back to this and see 
if we were correct after after December tenth and all that stuff. <laughs> I, know. I should make little yeah, markings just just to like be like, okay, this is what we chose. Yeah, we chose this one and this one. By the way, I uh, I looked up Genshin Impact on the App Store, and the game looks pretty darn cool. Actually. Yeah, that's why I was saying I want to pick For a it mobile up. Game, yeah. That's why I was saying I think the best mobile game will either be Legends of Runeterra or uh, Genshin Impact. One of those is, is going to be the winner. After best action game, so um, they also have action best action adventure game. Now this one has a few other names in it: Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghost of Tsushima. Mar- Mar- What's that? <laughs> Just being stupid. What'd you say? <gasps> Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, <laughs> vanilla. No, that's not right. Assassin's <laughs> <laughs> Creed, you won't go almond fudge. No. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, and The Last of Us Part 2. Hmm. Okay. This Didn't is interesting. Star Wars come out last year? Man, that's a good question. Cause like, I thought it came out last did, year. Did it come out in November of last year or did it come I, out it in December? Because you we, know what? we were talking about this, like at the end of the year, when we went through our, like our favorite games that we played. And then that was, that was on all of our lists. Actually, I don't think it was on Brad. I mean, actually, I think it was maybe on Brad. Because Ori came out, like, in the springtime, and I wasn't playing Ori when I was playing Star Wars. I played Star Wars before Ori. Right. Well, maybe it is... I think the title came out in December, and I think maybe in terms of the date, because the uh, the... Game Awards, I believe, um, what is it? December 10th is when it's supposed to air. So it makes me wonder if maybe Jedi Fallen Order came out like December 15th or 20th or something. Like it came out after the Game Awards aired. And so technically it can get on this list. I think that's what it is. Because I think even the Oscars have something similar where like there are certain titles that technically came out the year before, but because there's like this weird cutoff date that it actually does qualify for the following year. I guess that's what they're going to have to do with cyberpunk because cyberpunk comes out December 10th. The show is December 10th. No one's going to get the game and play it enough to really think it's awesome or not awesome and be able to vote for it. Um, <laughs> can you imagine the game like hacked itself? So it, it hacked itself out of getting any kind of game award for either that year. Would be, yeah. Gosh, that'd be ironic, wouldn't it? So when it comes to the list of the action, but you know, best action adventure games, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, we haven't played that yet. So we can't comment on it. Ghost of Tsushima, Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, and The Last of Us Part 2. Hmm. I am going to say it's going to be between 
Spider-Man and Ghost of Tsushima. I think that although Ori was fun to play and it was beautiful and for me, quite a different gaming experience than I have had for a long time, I don't think I would put it in the best action adventure category. I know nothing about Last of Us Part 2. I've just seen a video. <laughs> no play whatsoever. Same with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but I've played plenty of other Assassin's Creeds where like, like I, some of them, it's, it's, it's really hit and miss. So I've heard nothing but good things about Miles Morales, and of course I've played a crap ton of Ghost of Tsushima, and um, so... I would say it'd be between Spider-Man and GOT. Hmm. I think it's going to be between Ghost of Tsushima and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And I say that because Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales is more of a add-on. It's not like a full-fledged standalone game. And I think that would that would hurt it a bit when compared to some of these other games that are from the ground up their own standalone titles. I do agree that Ori and the Will of the Wisps probably won't be able to, to uh, muster a win out of this. But I do think that with, you know, Star Wars Jedi was a critically acclaimed game. When, when it came out and people played it, people were very pleasantly surprised as to how awesome of a job respawn entertainment did with it. And people definitely want to see a sequel out of it. It had a very satisfying last boss fight. Here's the thing though, too, that will most likely happen is gamers are going to look at it and they're going to say, well, and then this again, this is an assumption, but Spider-Man is the talk of the town because the PS5 just hit. And so the talk of the, so like Star Wars, even though it was awesome, it is old news. It is not being talked about as much. So it's it's right. not probably at the forefront of everybody's minds, even though it was a good game. And I gave it a lot of praise, if you remember. Oh yeah, it's uh, a great game. But I think that, as great as it is, it's going to have to weigh with what's new and exciting. And, you know, Spider-Man already has a lot of street credit because of uh, the, the, the first Spider-Man game that was out uh, for PS4. And this is one of the hottest games out for PS5. And it's on like the forefront of everybody's, you know, thoughts. So I, I that's also what it's, what is going to be weighing against um, Star Wars. Well, and I think that that is an astute observation just because this is, once again, based on the votes that come in from gamers. So, yeah, it may be because it's like the the newest, coolest thing that maybe it, it is able to yield more of the, the votes. Now, best RPG, we have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Genshin Impact, Persona 5 Royal, uh, Wasteland 3, and Yakuza Like a Dragon. Now, Yakuza Like a Dragon is one of the newer titles, so it may garner a certain amount of votes, but at the same time, I don't really know how big of a fan following it has. So regardless of it being a new title, I think more votes will probably go elsewhere. I think that 
you know, Persona 5 Royal is more of just a, a rehashing of Persona 5. And so I would say best RPG, I think it's going to come down to either Final Fantasy 7 Remake or Genshin Impact. What say you? Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. Uh, Wasteland is one that we haven't seen in here yet. And one we have not played. I, you know, I've, I did hear about Wasteland. And I, I just never looked into it, really. Um, but being that Genshin Impact has been in here, this is like this second category we've looked at tonight just by random, and it's been nominated. Uh, means it's definitely worth something. Uh, so I, would, I, I think I would agree with you on those two. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII totally has, like, the fan following. Uh, and then Genshin Impact is like this brand new RPG that folks have not uh, heard of before. And there's and everyone who's played it has wonderful things to say about it. Best fighting game, we have Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. I've never heard of that title. We have Mortal Kombat 11, Street Fighter 5 Champion Edition, and One Punch Man, a, a hero no, nobody knows. And there's another one called Under Night in Birth. Man, I haven't heard of like a lot of these. I will say, though, I think Mortal Kombat 11 is totally going to get it. I mean, maybe. Uh, there's a lot of fans of Street Fighter. Um, maybe even more so than Mortal Kombat. So... I I think I would have to go to Street Fighter. Okay. That would be my second choice. Uh, let's see here. Moving right along. We have the best sports racing game. There's, there's Dirt 5, which we haven't tried out. There's F1 2020, FIFA 21, and NBA 2K21, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah, we might as well. I mean, this is not... <laughs> intended to, to convey our disinterest in the category. It's just that we haven't, we literally haven't tried any of those games and I don't even know how popular certain, I mean, FIFA is always a popular brand. NBA 2K21 is a great game. Uh, at least I've heard through the grapevine. So we'll, we'll pass on that one for now because it'll be kind of a shot in the dark for us. Hmm. Yeah, they have a lot of these other categories like best esports athlete, best esports coach, best esports event, best esports game, uh, best esports host, best esports team. None of which, I mean, it would, again, it would be like us taking a shot in the dark. So, um, you know what they have that's kind of interesting is content creator of the year nominee hmm. which is kind of odd <laughs> for a, vi a video game show award are they talking about like influencers on youtube uh, i see i see be. what you're looking I at mean, yeah yeah that's that's exactly what it is content career of the year because yeah alana pierce i follow her there there's jay and lopez nick Merckx, tim the Tapman, and Valk valkyrie <laughs> Valkyrie. Valkyrie. <laughs> I have seen Tim the Tatman and Alana Pierce um is a lot of fun to to watch and and uh listen to and stuff. So I would, you know, if I'd look at that, 
again, it's difficult to know because I have not seen these other people. I will say, I'm just saying, it's kind of interesting they even have that category at all. Well, I think it makes sense though because there is this growing area of the gaming world that applies to just folks who stream. You know, essentially, you have these gaming influencers who stream, uh, they're, they're, they're gaming all the time. They have, uh, different types of online personalities. They are on different talking panels. I can tell you that with Alana Pierce, she has actually gone into the world of voice acting. In addition to the streaming, it's interesting because she started out and actually this, this is not even necessarily accurate, but I started, uh, following her and paying attention to her when she was working at IGN. And then she left IGN and she went to a different studio. I want to say in Southern California or something. I don't remember what it was called, but she still had like her YouTube presence and social media presence. And so she was getting all kinds of like free swag from the different gaming studios and companies. And, and she's always had a very articulate and honest approach to things, especially like, to give you an idea, there, there are certain, um, you know, relationships that she has professionally with different studios, or maybe she got some swag somewhere and she would actually recuse herself from giving certain types of official reviews on those games or like systems or whatever it is, just because it would have influenced her decision-making. So I think that the fans really appreciate that. And I think that she's probably in the running. I, I would go so far as to say, not just because I recognize who she is and, and I follow her, but I do think that she probably is in the running for content creator of the year um, because her career definitely seems to be taking off um, and, and rewarding her hard work. But again, that's not to take away from anybody else on this list. There may be someone else who who maybe is is has twice the success that Alana has. It's, it's just it's impossible to say for sure. But I look forward to to being able to watch this, and the show itself continues to get better and better every year. It's always fun to have you come over and you know uh, be able to to watch it. I know that that we actually we enjoyed ourselves last year, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Actually, last year they had like a ton. I think I had a criticism. They had a, a ton of it was it was last year we did have a good time with it, but it was much too much. Like they they it was almost like you couldn't stop and take a breath. It was so much stuff happening all yeah. at once where they had trailer after trailer after trailer, then interview, then award, then trail. I like it. They needed to let us soak in what they were tossing us and um it was just it, it, was, it was a ton of stuff so i hope they slowed down and revel in in the celebration of of what their uh, you know the the nominees and the award winners and uh i, I so i just hope they go a little bit slower i think you know i am looking forward to what trailers they're going to show us uh i just hope that they don't <laughs> pull a string and then dunk us under a bunch of you know uh info yeah i think that you're totally right. I think that last year seemed a bit rushed because they, they had just jam packed so much stuff in there, whether it was the, the number of categories or 
even the the world premieres, I feel if you recall last year, Phil Spencer came out, which was a kind of a surprise to everyone and was actually talking more about their acquisitions of uh, first party studios. Remember that? Yeah. So, I mean, it was exciting to see, but then you had a lot of uh, world premiere or, you know, game awards exclusive type of, of first looks and reveals and stuff, which I think is cool. But I think if I remember from our critique of last year, it was like we wished that the commercial breaks would have had more of the world premieres and the first looks and the, and the reveals trailers and that sort of thing, because it would be perfectly like, it would be like the Super Bowl in that way, right? Where you have like really, really memorable, cool commercials that you'd actually want to rewatch. Right. So we'll have to see how that works all uh, in this particular year. But yeah, there are a number of very heavy hitters. It's really fun to be able to go down this list and remember, wow, like <laughs> there have been a number of, of great titles, some of which didn't even make the list in these categories that I can think of, you know, I, I think that it has been a consistent year despite COVID-19 and all the other craziness happening. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y. G-A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, but not to mention it really helps us doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you all next week. <laughs>